following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. All right, everybody, clap your hands real big. Come on. So we're in church, and it's December. And uh, we want to make it a December. I'm not trying to be a poet, but to remember. And uh, December 2018 is going to be incredible. I have been inspired this Christmas or this Christmas season to preach this whole month on the beauty of the coming of the Lord to our lives. I think it's just a wonderful time. Brad said it so well, and I concur with him that there is a great time this season. In fact, this is the reason that we celebrate because of Jesus. We don't celebrate because of toys and all kinds of gifts. We celebrate because of Jesus. Now, we get gifts, and we love to exchange gifts in our home, but there's nothing like celebrating Jesus Christ this time of the year, and we're going to do it. Now, I know we're going to be challenged because stores are competing against church, and it's all right. Malls are competing against church, and you've got to get that gift before the Christmas season, and so What I'm going to promise you, I promise you, if you'll come on Wednesday night during December, we are challenged sometime with our crowd in December because of that. You know, most times we're not challenged. We have have crowds that sometimes are standing room only on Wednesday night, and I love that because you folks love the house of God. But if you'll come, I will be through. I will be el fini. I'll be finished. I'll be finished by the 8.30 hour. I will, will keep you one hour, and you can get out of here and go get Target's deals or whatever. Go Walmart yourself to death or whatever. Go out to the mall. Do what you got to do. But if you'll come to church first, I promise you, you'll get an extra 20% off. Somebody's going somebody's to bless you. Amen. Would you stand? Would you stand all over the house? It's an honor, honor to be your pastor, and it's an honor to stand here in front of you here tonight. And uh, if you're a guest here, we're happy to have you. I met a man named Bob Ward. He's in the house tonight, and he's from Portales, New Mexico, and and I preached out there in Portales and Texaco and Farwell and all that Clovis and all that company out there. I preached out there and to hear from him. And he comes to Austin and he loves our church. And he was in the prayer meeting with the people. And I'm just so happy to welcome Bob. Would you give him a hand clap? He's good. It's good to have him in the house tonight. Now, I'm, I'm just going to preach about Christmas. Just put it up on the screen. Christmas. I'm just going to preach Christmas. Christmas. Uh, Christmas. I heard a little story about some kids that uh, that uh, was was uh, was going to hold the signs. You know, one's going to be a C, one's going to be an H, one's going to be an R I, and it's going to be Christmas. It's going to say Christmas is here. And uh, one little girl got her sign, her her letter upside down, and it was Christ was here. You can't even get this thing upside down and it doesn't, it'll still minister to you. If you turn it upside down, it'll still minister to you. But we're talking Christmas. And tonight, I'm going to speak on one word. I'm going to speak on one word tonight. I can't wait till Sunday. I'm excited about Sunday because I'm going to be speaking on three wise women. And then the three wise men. I'm going to be talking about both sides of the equation. So we're going to have a... We're going to have a sexist battle here on Sunday. All right. 
Sunday's going to be special. Everybody say, I love the Lord. Lord. We're going to have communion here in a little bit. Now, when we get ready to have communion after a while, we're going to have that communion. Our ushers are going to be passing out communion to you tonight. They'll be coming up and down the aisles. And I would trust that everyone in this particular month would take communion with us tonight. And if, uh, if you don't, well, that's all right. But we would love for you to do that because I think it'd just be a real blessing for you. Turn to somebody and say, I'm going to help the pastor. And you may be seated. God bless you. You're awesome people. One word. To ponder the many and, and myriad truths that are tucked into the folds of the extraordinary narrative that we find in the facts of our Lord's miraculous virgin birth is at this season pertinent and at any time powerful. It would be impossible in a single thought to mine from the accounts of Matthew and Luke every nugget of detail that is there. Some of it's obvious, others others are obscure. And so I have chosen in these few moments that I have, and it won't be but about 20 minutes tonight on this Wednesday, to leave subtlety for some other time and lay hold of perhaps the most obvious and oft-repeated refrain of the entire story. Luke chapter 2 says, When suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Against all the odds, the angel promised Peace. Peace on earth. Then and now, it's a paradox. It's a contradiction to be sure. Peace on earth? Really? Ever and always, peace was God's ideal for the human family. But that would be aborted by Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Peace appears. In the Bible, in all but seven of the Bible's 66 books. So in 59 books of the Bible, peace is there. It's the constant pursuit of humankind, rich and poor alike. The abased and the abounding. The diligent and the indigent. They all seek peace and not without cause. Job, the Bible's oldest book, laments how that man is born to trouble as the sparks fly upward. Little wonder then that this matter of peace is so central to God's purpose and to God's plan and that the antagonist of our soul works so feverishly to disturb it, willingly employing any element of our lives in the process of disrupting our peace. So universal is our desire for peace, so important it is in God's plan And so complete Satan's attempt to destroy peace in our life. We should never wonder at the conspiracy of darkness about us that attempts to create a counterfeit peace. Jeremiah the prophet thundered at those that he said had healed the hurt of the daughter of my people slightly. Saying peace, peace when there is no peace. And when the Chaldeans were rattling their sabers at Jerusalem's gate, false prophetesses gave birth with their words and their ways to the illusion of peace. Jeremiah lamented that they have seduced my people, saying peace, and there was 
no peace. So powerful, so important to God's plan for us is that five-letter word, peace. And when the apostle under inspiration boiled life in the spirit down to a single sentence, peace found its way to the top. It's a characteristic to be coveted, a blessing that would and should attend the lives of all real believers. Paul's benediction to the Philippians included the promise that the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You don't have to understand it to have it. It passes all understanding. Peace is the power that keeps us, and that peace is found, everybody say, in Him. In Him. Glory to God in the highest, said the angel. And on earth, peace and goodwill to men. 700 plus years before Bethlehem, Isaiah saw it and he said in chapter 9, Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful. Can I tell you, stopping right there, don't ever forget his first name. His name is wonderful. His name is wonderful. His name is wonderful. He's a wonderful Savior. He's a wonderful God. Since somebody clap their hands right now and say, I love the wonder of wonderful in my life. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Verse 7 said, and of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. If his government hadn't ceased, his peace hasn't ceased. If his government hadn't gone away, his peace hadn't gone away. If his church is still standing, there is peace in the house of God. Because his government and peace shall be no end. The annunciation of those angels was not an accident. Jesus Christ and peace are extricably connected. These things Jesus said in John 16, I have spoken unto you that in me, he said, you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. Don't get caught in the trap of expecting something from the world that this world cannot and will not give. This world naturally has known peace in only eight of every hundred years since Adam. Ninety-two years of every century has known war and trouble. But in the world you shall have tribulation, he said, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Christ and peace are inseparable. In Isaiah chapter 26, he said, he will keep him in perfect peace. Whose mind is stayed on you? Whose mind is stayed on thee? If you want peace, start thinking about Jesus. Come on. Get your mind off your stuff and start thinking about Jesus. He will keep you in perfect peace. And again, so complete is this connection that in Psalms 119, the Bible said, great peace have they that love thy law and nothing shall offend them. I can be so filled with peace, the Bible is saying, as to become impervious to offenses in my life. The Bible calls it great peace, great peace. 
kingdom life, according to Romans 14, is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. There's righteousness on one side of the seesaw. There's joy on the other side. But the fulcrum in the middle that keeps everything balanced is the peace of God. Come on, you got joy? You got righteousness? It's because there's peace in your life. Somebody say, I love peace. I love the peace of God in my life. And Jesus said, it's the Father's good pleasure to give us that kingdom. Kingdom of peace. So who hath believed our report, Isaiah 53 asked. And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a, as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form, no comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrow. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Then I got it on bold on the, on the screen. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. I feel the healer in the house tonight. I feel peace in the house tonight. We're going to have a month of peace in this church. I clap for it in Jesus' name right now. The chastisement of our peace. The price of our peace was upon him. It was then and it is now. He is the prince of peace. Imagine the ocean of emotion our Lord must have felt preceding his passion. Three decades of living are at an end now. Three plus years of ministry are coming to conclusion. The hour that Christ called it, the hour has come. 4,000 years of history between maker and man. And all of it coming down to a single hour of consummation. The son of man betrayed into the hands of evil, evil men. He's ready to relinquish his ministry and his mission to the hands of this band of men who have followed him faithfully yet fitfully. This dozen who dared to leave all and follow. And here he is, the Christ of God, possessor of every notable attribute known to man. The God man, the incarnation, Emmanuel, God with us. The repository of all power, Matthew 28, 18. The eternity and time in heaven and on earth. And as he gazes with affection on these men who have abandoned all, he announces what his legacy to them will be and what after his departure he will impart to their lives, knowing them better than they even know themselves, wanting above all to leave what would most surely save and sustain them. Jesus says to them in John 14, Peace, <laughs> I leave with you. My peace I give you, not as the world giveth, I give to you. Not that imitation, not that false fleeting peace so ardently sought by the world. Not as the world gives, I give I to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Here he is at the end, able to impart to any and all of them power and position and possessions to give them rank or to give them riches. He could have given them any of that or all of it, anything he wanted to, but he knew it paled by comparison when he set it up against the treasure of his peace. There's nothing. There's nothing. 
This man has been troubled in his mind. This man has fought demons in his mind with losses in my family and losses from my family. But I'm here to declare there's nothing like the peace of God when it comes on you. And I stand here tonight a sane man and a whole man because he didn't leave me great riches. He didn't leave me a great position. He didn't leave me great power. But he gave me peace. He gave me peace. Peace like a river. There's nothing like the peace of God. One word tonight, just one word. It would end as it started with peace. Glory to God in the highest, the angel had said when he was born. And on earth, peace and goodwill. Now he's speaking for himself when he says, my peace, I leave with you. And when he contemplated their life on earth in time, when he perceived their greatest need, the most significant deficit of their days, it was peace. It was then, and it was peace still now. I spoke earlier of so many terrific truths being bound in the tale of Bethlehem's miraculous birth. Listen to Luke's record of the words of Zacharias, the priest, father of John Baptist, when he gave witness to why Christ was coming. In Luke chapter 1, he said, The day spring from on high has visited us to give light to them that sit in darkness and to guide our feet into the way of peace. Peace. To guide our feet into the way of peace. Zacharias echoes the words of Jehovah spoken through Jeremiah when he said in Jeremiah 29, oh, you can quote it, I know the thoughts I think toward you. They are thoughts of peace and not of evil. Can I declare to you right now that everything God wants to put in your life this December is a spirit of peace. Why don't you let it happen on this first Wednesday night in December? Come on, lift your hands right now and say, I want the peace of God this whole month. Come on, I want the peace of God this whole month. It's time to go ahead and declare it. You got to speak it. You got to say it. I want peace in my life, Lord. And when you ask, you shall receive because he that asketh receiveth. There's nothing like the receiving of God's peace in your life. I remember one time reading a story about Christ and his disciples in a storm. It was precious. Jesus was tired. So he goes to the bottom of the ship to get some rest. And he's asleep on a pillow. And the storm is just blowing on the outside. I want to declare something to you. Do you really think... That a ship's going to go down with Jesus on it? I want to preach a little bit right now. Do you really think a ship's going under with Jesus on it? When he says, I'll take you over, I'll take you over. Listen, you hear me. This December, you got Jesus on your boat. You got Jesus on your boat. You're not going under in December. It's going to be a December to remember. He's going to give you peace like a river in your life. But Peter was frightened. And he goes and wakes him up and he says, Carest thou not that we perish? And he said, Lord, the storm is brewing. And Jesus stood up and he calmed the storm. Now post-Pentecost, after Pentecost, Peter's confined in prison now. He's condemned to die in Acts chapter 12. And when the night before he's condemned to die the next day, an angel comes in to deliver him, but he has to wake him up. <laughs> There's a whole lot of difference once the Spirit of God gets to moving in your life. 
than when you're on the other side. He was so content with the peace of God because he knew that Jesus was still on his ship. And it didn't matter how tempestuous the storm was on the outside. Jesus was going to see him through. And the angel had to wake him up and said, get up, Pete. We got to get out of here. And the chains fell off. And he walked out one door and another door. And an iron gate opened up. And he's on the street. I'm here to declare, God's got a peace package for you this Christmas. Why don't you open the peace package and let him talk to your heart and say, I've got peace for you and your life and your heart. Hallelujah. When Jesus had healed the hurting, whether naturally or spiritually, his command was ever and always, go in peace. Go in peace. And when he confronted and conquered the frightful situations of those who followed him, the benediction was, peace be unto you. And there's a reason why. It's on the screen. No deliverance will stand long that is not guarded by God's peace. Say it with me. No deliverance will stand long that's not guarded by God's peace. When God delivers you, receive it and let the peace of God guide your life. No more fretting. Come on. No more scaredness. No more worry. No more anxiety. If God delivers, the peace of God is going to say go forward. Amen. Amen. The peace of God is the seal that preserves the works of God. Peace is the capstone that gives permanence to God's work. And that's why Romans 5 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody say peace. Peace. Few, if any here, have not been touched by God. But it's peace that gives permanence to that work. That's why Job chapter 34 of 29 said, When God gives quietness, who then can make trouble? God have mercy. I was finding some of these scriptures in my study, preparing for tonight, and I went nuts in my office. Because I got to see in some of these translations and how they were worded. And I love this one. When God gives quietness, who then can make trouble? I don't want you to frustrate this December. I want you to enjoy this December. I want you to come in here light as a feather. Not in your weight because you'll be eating bluebell. (laughs) But in your spirit. And I want you to magnify the Lord. Come on now. I want you to praise him. I want you to honor him. I want you to love on him. I want you to give him your glory and your praise and your best that you have because peace is going to guide Christian Life Church the whole month of December. Come on, let's let it happen. Come on, let's let it happen. Let's let it happen. At his birth, revelation came. He was God in Christ. Some saw it and did not receive it. They were known as the priest. Others saw it and were angry. He was known as Herod. Certain ones saw it and ignored it. That was people. Wise men saw it and sought him. And they worshiped. And wise men still seek the Christ of peace. I'm done. That's it. That's all I got. That's all you need. 
I was reading something that Josh McDowell was doing recently, and when he got through speaking, I closed tonight, but when he got through speaking, a woman from Africa walked up to him, and they got to conversing, and he realized she was a very sharp lady. She had great dialect and spoke many languages. And he asked her her name. She gave him an American name. And then he asked her what her African name was, and she told him. And he said, what does that name mean? Because a lot of kids are named in Africa for certain things. And she said this, my name means a name that brings a family together. She said, when my parents were dating, my dad's folks and my mom's folks did not want my, my parents to get together. And they fought it from both sides. But said my dad and my mom ran away. And were married. And I was born. And when they brought me back to a reunion with both sets of the parents there. I was named one thing and they changed my name to what it is today. A name that brings families together. And said I have borne the brunt of that and the blessing of that because I was the one who was privileged to make my parents, parents on both sides love each other and bring a bond. I don't know what her name was. The story didn't tell it. But I do know a name that's above every name. And it's the name of Jesus. And it can bring your families together really can. You can bring your families together in a peace and a contentment and a joy this Christmas. Hey, don't fight it. Faith it. Believe it. God is with us. Emmanuel, God is with us. He's with us. Would you stand all over the building? Our ushers are going to come now and they're going to start passing out the fruit of the vine and the bread take communion tonight we're going to take communion so we're going to give them a little time I want you to sing with me right now peace
heads and if you have not received your communion cup yet keep your eyes open but bow your heads because you want to take a communion cup when it comes by but I want to pray for you tonight I want to pray the peace of God and the, the joy of the Lord thank you sir peace of God the joy of the Lord in your life I want to bless you I want to bless you because I don't prepare messages like tonight without a cause there's a cause there's a reason why I prepared sermon like this tonight and the sermon was this I don't want you fretting I don't want you fighting I don't want you in a funk I don't want you struggling this is not a month to struggle you may not have enough money to buy what you want but you've got enough Jesus you've got enough Jesus to make this month a blessed month. Come on now. It's not about all of that. My mom and dad were very frugal people. And they bought us one gift a year. One. One. I remember one time I got two. I got a pair of socks with a gift. And I thought I'd died and gone to heaven. But I never felt... I never felt like I didn't have enough because we had Jesus in our home. There's something about socks and Jesus. It's just good. And a little cornbread and red beans and some ham hock. It's just good. But there's nothing like knowing the peace of God this month. And I want the peace of God to resonate in your lives and your heart. I want it to absolutely astound you and on this first night on this first Wednesday night we're fixing to take communion we're going to take communion to peace in our home and the joy of the Lord in our heart and an understanding that if God is for us who can be against us I love you folks very much and you know that you know that I hadn't labored here for almost 29 years I hadn't labored here to 29 years and not loved you. I love the fire out of you. And I used to say I love your guts and somebody said that wasn't right to say so I quit saying it. But I do love this church. I love you as people. I love individuals. I don't love this building. It's not the building. It's not the, not the lights. It's not the sound. It's not the screens. It's not the... It's people that make up the church. You're the church. We just fix all this up so we can talk to you better. But if all this went away, we had to meet under a cherry tree somewhere, I'd still preach this gospel of love to you because I understand.